as we reflect on the 50th anniversary of Title IX, it helps to go back to before Title IX and hear from the women who led the charge in establishing any type of athletic endeavors at Marietta College. Back to a time when the student handbook dictated what women could and couldn't wear on campus, which is something our guest today remembers all too well. Today we are speaking with Dana Corney, who graduated in 1970 and helped establish field hockey at the college for women who wanted to compete in athletics. As a freshman from Wisconsin, Dana was shocked to see there were no opportunities for women to play sports. Undeterred, she put up signs around campus, and it didn't take long to garner enough interest to start women's field hockey. My name is Tom Perry, the Vice President for Communication and Brand Management at Merida College, and I have the honor of speaking with these amazing women who played an important role in improving women's athletics on campus. Now let's welcome our guest, Dana Corey. Hey, how are you, Tom? It's great. It's great to talk to you. I'm glad we were able to finally connect. So to get things, let's just get right into it. I'll get to the first question. So as I said, when you were a student at Merida College, uh, Title IX wasn't a thing. It didn't come around until after you graduate, graduated, but that didn't stop students like you from wanting to play sports. Can you talk about why organizing field hockey and other intramurals were so important at that time? Well, I think it was important at the time. It's a simple answer. We just wanted to play. We wanted to compete. Competition can be a teacher of sorts, and honestly, it's thrilling. Um, but I, I think now we know more about the benefits for girls and women who play sports. Uh, so let's, let's uh, go over some of the accomplishments that Title IX has given both girls and women and why we're celebrating this uh, Title IX. So I'm just going to read some stats. Young girls have a better sense of self-esteem and body image. They're less likely to develop eating disorders. They have lower levels of depression. High school girls are less likely to have unintended pregnancies. They get better grades and graduate at higher levels. As little as four hours of exercise a week may reduce a teenage girl's risk of breast cancer by 60%. Being part of the team also creates leaders. So that's why sports for girls and women are so important. Well, thanks. Let's go again. While Title IX was robust, like I said, it dealt with way more than just athletics. Um, You've said that you believe that because of women like you on college campuses around the U.S., that, uh, uh, again, women like you had a role in impacting women's sports. I mean, a lot of people don't like to say that or admit it, but you did. So do you view yourself as a pioneer in helping women's athletics achieve the status they have today? Well, not at the time. We certainly didn't think of ourselves as pioneers. We were just a bunch of girls who wanted to play a game. But in retrospect, you can see how women's sports has evolved with uh, one generation building on the accomplishments of the previous athletes. And Serena and Venus definitely stand on the shoulders of Billy uh, G. Billie Jean King, and I stand on the shoulders of the women who played sports before me, like my great-grandmother. She was a great tennis player. And uh, even though she didn't have any opportunity to showcase her skill, she still honed it. So, uh, you know, uh, pioneer, yes, we were pioneers. So the answer is, as I look back, we were. 
Well, you mentioned to me earlier, we, we had a conversation. You said that you, you made posters, organized trips to play other teams, and, and lined the field before games. You had to do everything. At times, did you ever just feel alone in your efforts to improve the options for women looking to play sports, or did you feel supported by your friends and other athletes? Oh, my gosh. We were not alone. We, we had so much support. Marietta College was like a big family. Uh, even though there were 2,000 of us at, at uh, college, we, were, we all gathered in a place called the Pit, which was a cafeteria, a huge area which had tables. You could get any food you wanted. And then adjacent to that was a room where we had pool tables, ping pong tables, pinball machines, lounging couches. We all congregated there. It was like the heartbeat of the college. So when we formed our team, we had immense enthusiasm for our endeavor, especially, guess who, our football players. They gave us their old scrimmage pennies uh, because we couldn't afford uniforms. And they were so big that we had to twist them uh, around in the back just to keep them on. And we had friends help us line the field. We had volunteers and boyfriends who had vehicles to drive us to our games. Honestly, we had so much support uh, at our home games. There were tons of people out to watch us, and the Marcolian covered our journey. Uh, away games, I would just go in after the game into the Marcolian sports writer and give him all the, the details of the game. And so everyone would read about us. So we, our second year, we were pretty formidable. So the answer is no. There's a camaraderie amongst athletes. Uh, our football team was our biggest supporter. That's great to hear. Um, I'm going to go a little off script here. I know we talked, you know, kind of some things we would cover, but, you know, there, like, from your perspective, you were the person who kind of led this charge with, with field hockey. Um, you know, and it's, when you're trying to research these things and figure out, okay, when did this actually start or what happened, yeah, it's a little hard because they just weren't keeping the kind of record that we keep today. So you were here. You were doing it. What year did this really get going, field hockey at Merida College? Oh, 66. The, the fall of 66, I saw there, there wasn't a sport to play. And I'd played sports all during high school. I mean, the fall just puts you in the mood. Uh, I was ready to play. I even brought my hockey stick to Marietta. Um, so yeah, that, that was just something we had a passion for. You, you have to understand, it's just like men, you know, they just want to play sports. So I think that was the driving force. So 66, we had a team up and running. By 67, we were beating our competitors. And 68, we were on our way. So yeah, Amazing. it was tough, yeah. but we pulled it together. It's just passion. Well, with that, I mean, you, you had a chance to, to be a part of that, again, getting things going. But when you look and see what's happening today and uh, the opportunities that women have in sports and all those kind of things, uh, you know, high school, college, and even professional, um, with everything that's offered, have you ever thought um, – you know, I wish maybe I'd come along at a different time and had a chance to play, you know, and be able to compete like the women are today. And, and I'll just add to you, you know, and if so, I don't know what your answer is going to be. What sport or sports do you think you would play? 
yes, I'm jealous. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous uh, of the opportunities out there that just did not exist during my time. I, I felt uh, kind of robbed in a lot of ways. But um, the answer to your question, what sport would I have played? Uh, the answer is football. Women want to play this sport. I played touch football in Central Park for three years. What a great game this is. Maybe someday, Tom. But um, to answer that <clears throat> realistically, basketball would have been my second sport. There's something magical about the connection basketball players have to each other. It's such a fast-paced game. They have to be so in sync with each other that they anticipate where the player's going to be. You've got to watch this documentary, Redeem Team. They, uh, it's about LeBron and Kobe playing in uh, the Olympic, on the Olympic basketball team. It's a, it's a great documentary. It's such a great game. But tennis, volleyball, I would have loved playing any sport professionally. I just love the competitive spirit. Well, my last question, and, I, and again, anybody who's listened to our podcast knows what the last question is every time, but I think it's important as we look at the progress that's been made over the first 50 years of Title IX, can you tell me what you think success would look like over the next 50 years as, as women's athletics continues to progress and mature? Oh, wow. That's such an important question, Tom. Thanks for asking it. I, I think it's important to us to examine carefully what that looks like. So firstly, I want to say safe environments for female athletes. You know, we've just discovered that Women's Soccer League has been plagued with systematic abuse. Ten out of the 20 coaches were fired. And now this past week, we learned that name brand manufacturers of women's sports bras have 22 times the safe limit of BPA chemicals in the fabric. So, yeah, I have concerns about safety for my sisters. So I hope we can encourage more women to coach, manage, become recruiters, especially hiring women doctors. Since the female body is just so different from the male body, we have different issues. And more moms coaching youth sports. Because if you play a sport, you can coach it for your kids. So basically, I think we need to take more control of our own sports endeavors. And that means we have to dedicate more money in that direction for training facilities, to update our equipment, and we will eventually garner a larger audience. I think we'll develop a solid fan base because the better equipped we are, the better we perform. So that's, that's what I'd like to see, Tom. Well, outstanding answer. And again, thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to our podcast, and thank you to Dana for sharing her Title IX story with us. If you're interested in supporting women's athletics at Marietta College, you're encouraged to make a gift at www.marietta.edu.